Welcome to the Private Practice Academy podcast, where we share the formula for building and scaling a sustainable and profitable group practice without sacrificing your freedom and life in the process. I'm Kirsten Anderson-Ridge, and I'm a clinical and counselling psychologist and business mentor. And I'm passionate about helping you to create, build, and sustain a profitable private practice. I've made the leap from solo practitioner to group practice owner and created my own separate income stream. I'll share with you how to have a successful group practice and the time to create other income streams without feeling you have to choose between one or the other. I'm going to share my journey and invite other therapists to share theirs so you too can create the practice you've always desired. If you're ready to start making your practice work for you, you're in the right place. Let's dive in. Welcome back to the Private Practice Academy podcast. Today, I am going to talk to you about my reflections for 2023. I don't know how you feel, but I certainly feel like this year has gone in a blink. I feel like it was March five minutes ago, and here we are in December. So Given it's December, it's a busy time in a practice for most of us where we're trying to get the clients through the door for two reasons. One, because they're knocking on the door saying, I need an appointment, I need this assessment before Christmas, I need this and I'd like that. And also, as I've alluded to in some of my other podcasts, there is the thing of the January scaries, which does mean that we try to bump up our bank accounts in private practice as much as we possibly can in December because that's obviously going to help manoeuvre our way through the January scaries. So typically it is a busy month, but I do like to try to reflect on the year that's just been. I do do my goals and I have done those for the Private Practice Academy and for PsychWest. I haven't reflected on exactly what I have achieved just yet. I will do that when I'm away over the break. But for today, I wanted to focus on how I have felt about 2023 in group practice, what I have achieved, what I would have perhaps done differently, and also some things that I've started to do just to help myself really to manage the juggling act. That is being a practice owner, being a group practice owner, also being a parent, also having life and also having a second business and trying to make all that work. Oh, and throw in having 12 staff as well and a PA. I think sometimes that just does sound hectic and at times it is very hectic. So the beginning of 2023, I can recall thinking to myself, okay, This is going to be another year of pretty steep growth. I have been in group practice for about four years now. And as I've said before, it started off pretty slowly. I started with one contractor and then I moved to two contractors, then two contractors and a provisional. Then I grew from there and I ended up with three contractors and two provisionals. So in 2023, one of the things that I did do was I took on some more clinicians. And as we speak, 
I have seven clinicians. I did have eight, but one of my clinicians is involved in the four plus two process and has been working six days a week and needed to really involve themselves in doing some self-care and work a whole lot less than that. So they've decided to pull back on their workload, which is perfectly understandable. One of the other things that I will start my focus on today is in about March of this year, I can remember finding myself getting very frustrated with trying to juggle finances, trying to make sure I'd had enough put away for all the different things. And I'm going to be honest with you, and it doesn't please me to, well, it pleases me to be honest with you, but it doesn't please me to say that I did this because I did. I took my eyes off the numbers and that was not a good thing in March. So I did get a call from my admin sort of saying, hey, have you been keeping your eye on the invoices? And I went, oh, no, I've been having a bit of bank account phobia. I don't know how people feel about this, but sometimes I go into, I don't so much these days, but certainly earlier this year, would go into the business bank account and close my eyes. And sometimes I'd be scared to open it because, or open them because I'd think to myself, what will it say? And that was when I was taking my eyes off the numbers. I actually thought my strategy was if I don't look at it, it's going to be fine. Well, that was a really poor strategy and we know this. And as you are probably all aware now, I was an accountant in another life. So taking your eyes off the numbers was a pretty average thing to be doing. So I had to do some pretty fast legwork because I'd gotten really quite behind. And whilst I still have a bookkeeper I'm not sure what went on, but I think maybe both of us did a little bit of that. We kind of went, yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get to that. So it did kind of lead me to sit down with my bookkeeper and talk to her all about, I think we have to keep our eyes on the prize, both of us. And I think what she was trying to do was protect me at that time when I was saying to her, oh, gosh, it's hard, it's hard. And in other episodes, I've spoken about the days that I have felt like closing the practice. And I think most of you can relate to that at some point of feeling like I have completely and utterly had enough here. I do not want to do this anymore. And March was feeling like that. I know that when I really looked at it, things are actually okay. But I I just had this feeling that I was finding it hard. I I just had this mental block. I just sort of thought, I just don't want to look at this for now. I'm sick of looking at it. And I guess the thing was I had to change my mindset and not think to myself, this is always going to be hard. And if I don't want it to be hard anymore, what am I actually going to do about it? Will I take some action? So I decided that I would, I guess, have a second look at my diary. Now, in anyone's diary, I would say there's things that are static so the things that can't change and then there's dynamic diary that's hopefully a bit dynamic (laughs) in the true sense of the word but also where you're able to make some changes so I knew that the dynamic diary I wanted to keep a little bit of space into but with my static diary I knew that I needed to put into my diary that every 
Tuesday afternoon, I would be looking through the bank account that I would be keeping a track and having a look at the bills that need to be paid, even though the bookkeeper also does that as a practice owner, it makes good business sense to just keep doing that and not stop doing that like I did for a month earlier this year. I think we all go through stages where we have these mini sort of tanties. I don't want to do that. I'm not happy about it. And I think at the end of the day, goodness me, I don't think that was the best idea, as I said. So what I did to get me back on track is I put that in my diary. And so now every Tuesday afternoon, I go in, look at the account, look at the income for the week. And I do, whilst admin do this as well, I also look at the clinician's diaries just to see how they're going. I know not all practice owners do that, but um, it depends on how hands-on you are. I like to be quite hands-on with mine because I like to know what's happening and I don't know, maybe it's still I like a bit of control. I'll have to be honest there. I do. I do like control. But putting this in the calendar keeps me accountable, makes me do it. Things have felt a lot better since I have done that. And something that I did plan for in 2023 was a trip to Europe with my husband and my two kids. Now, my two kids aren't little kids. Uh, They're 21 and 17. So my plan was to take them to Europe before my youngest goes into year 12. And whilst I felt fairly on top of that, I did get help to, to plan the trip. I have to say that it did stress me a bit because I was thinking to myself, oh my goodness, I have to be on top of this. I have to make sure that we've got this booked and that booked. And what about that accommodation? And well, what about that tour? And okay, what do I have to pay by that day? Okay. And we had a mix of Airbnbs and hotels. So there was a fair bit to be across. So I actually do remember thinking to myself, we got on the plane in June and I remember I was about to get on the plane and I thought to myself, oh, my God, should I be doing this? Should I be getting on this plane? Is this the right thing to do to leave the business for four-plus weeks? I'll be in other countries, a hugely different time zone. Uh, Europe is, as you know, vastly different to Perth. It's about seven hours behind. So I thought, wow, how how am I going to do this? But then I thought, I'm going to get on the plane. I'm getting on the plane and I'm going and I'm going to just deal with it. That's what I'm going to do. So I got on the plane. We arrived initially. And I can honestly say to you that in the first two days of arriving in Rome, anything that could have gone wrong in the practice actually did. And there's probably a number of things I could mention, but really probably the major ones was recognising how many of the very important passwords that are required for day-to-day practice in the practice were only in my possession. So we had to use our powers of coordination through a app that I use. We use Bitwarden at the practice and we share passwords that way. But that's me finding out that, okay, okay, people don't have that password for Halexy. Yes, the practice software, only me. So I thought, okay, need to go and sort that out. However, I can remember just sitting outside looking into space and my husband coming in and saying to me, are you okay? 
And I sort of said, yeah, 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 this is happening and that's happening at the practice and this password and I don't know how this is going to go and I don't know if I can let go of all this control. And he sort of said to me, well, what do you imagine that you're going to be doing from here? You don't have your laptop. You didn't take your laptop on purpose. You've got a phone, but by the time you get to speak to them, they'll be asleep. So you might have to divorce yourself from the practice. And I looked at him and I said, divorce myself from the practice. How do you think I'm going to do that? I'm the practice owner. I can't do that. And he said, he said to me, well, here's your decisions. Keep doing this for four weeks or you trust in what's going to happen at the practice and that the people that you've given jobs to are going to do it. Well, I decided to use his advice and take part B, and that was to allow other people to take control. So here's the interesting part about this. When I got back from Europe in July this year, there was actually more money in the business account than there was when I left, and that was a huge shock to me. It was a huge shock to me for a few reasons. One, I didn't have my hands all over everything. If I'm really honest, I did two or three minutes of Voxes to my clinical lead once a day, and that's that's it. That's all I did. And she did a great job. The bookkeeper did a great job. I delegated a lot of tasks. I'd rejigged things in the business account. I sort of use a, a loose version of Profit First, which I'll talk about in another podcast, but basically it means that things go off into separate accounts and it means that I have, you know, money for, you know, rent and all the different things that I need for the practice, tax, super, wages, all the things that you need. Anyway, I came back to more money than I had when I left and it was was solid. It was a really solid effort by everyone at the practice and I was so grateful. I just breathed a sigh of relief. I just thought, okay, I can do this. They can do this. We can all do this. And what I reflect on most about this time is not only did we have an amazing holiday, and memories were made with my two. And when your kids get a bit older, that sort of end, you never really know how many times they're going to continue to go on holidays with you. But I suspect if I say I'm going to pay for you, that they might come along. I just suspect that, but we'll see. So not only did we make some amazing memories, but I also learned some very valuable business lessons. And sometimes it takes someone that's really close to you to say, now, you need to calm down and you actually need to take some action here, take a step back. I did and it worked. And I did have that option to sit there and be in a panic and worry and do all those sorts of things. And sometimes through not really investigating things thoroughly in that time during March, I learned a lot of lessons in that if I make a plan and it's a solid plan and a consistent plan, generally speaking, it goes way better than I ever thought. So that has now meant that there are quite a few procedures in the business from bookkeeping to allocating funds to specific accounts to, I guess, static diary management that I now can say I let go of control so now 
it's going really well. And I don't have my hands tied up completely in absolutely everything, which I know I was doing before I left. So they'd be two very strong reflections for 2023. But some other things that I know that I did that weren't great were I, you would have all heard of the shiny bright object syndrome. Well, I do love a shiny bright object. I do. And I think to myself, right, I'm going to do this. Right, I'm going to do that. And it was to do, it was across both businesses. So the Private Practice Academy and SideQuest. And the problem with that was I wasn't, again, back in March, keeping track of what I was allocating funds to. And I was, I will say, probably blindly trying to throw money at marketing. And I would say that was a mix of Google ads and also social media, but overdoing it, doing more than I needed to do, but also not without a really clear plan, I didn't think. Well, my, I guess we could call her my OBM, but she's also my marketing manager, OBM being um, online business manager. But we did have a plan, but we didn't have more of a plan than trying to get my name out of, out there and try to get the practice marketed. And you might think, well, surely that's a plan. It is a plan, but I wasn't looking at what I was spending. So that didn't help my cause. So I pulled back on marketing quite a bit and I pulled back a little bit on my private practice academy stuff in that I didn't do as much social media. I didn't have as many meetings about social media. I just took a bit of a a mini hiatus and that's been really helpful. And it's also led me to be reflective about what I will do in the new year now. And it also means that I've got my clinicians involved. I now get them to do their own social media for me. I might say, can you give me four tips on how to manage anxiety if you're giving a, say, speech or you're going to be doing public speaking of any sort. So it could be things like that, or it could be what are the little known signs of autism in young women. So these are the things that they do each day and they know all about this and it's second nature to them. And something that I learnt was I was doing a lot of the social media and the practice is no longer, I'm not a solo anymore. So I know now that I need to get the clinicians out there, get their faces on social media. It's very important to do that. So that's something that I took as an important part of learning in 2023. I guess the final thing that I wanted to talk to you about today was I hired five clinicians. I'm obviously going to talk a little more about how I do that and the process of that. But I would have to say that the clinicians that I brought on this year, as as the clinicians I've had for each of the years that I've been in group practice have been amazing. But what I did do is I moved everybody from that was a contractor over to the employee model. And I'll talk more in other podcasts about how I choose my staff and the the non-negotiables. And I will certainly talk to you all about that in another podcast. But what I will say is the move into being an employee model has just been amazing. I'll be really honest and say that with the numbers, 
there is a 20% better return on the employee model than the contractor model. And I will say the positive to having a employee model is that everyone is on the same page and I have a lot more input into my business. When I had contractors, I had a mix of contractors, different personality styles, different ways of doing things. And the difficulty I found with contractors in general was at any moment in time, there can be, I'll be away for a month or this is, I mean, we certainly, everyone gave notice on those kinds of things, but as a practice owner, you need to be able to plan for those things. As an employee, you have more input in the day-to-day. You've got obviously more input in what happens going forward. And I guess the other thing about it is when we did crunch the numbers, there is that 20% difference in the money that comes into the practice. And I also think for the employee model, people feel as if they're part of something, part of something bigger. Now, I also know that for those of you just starting out into group or just tipping your toe into expanding beyond solo, that a contractor is a really first, great first step, really great first step. And I know from myself that that's exactly what I did. So I'm not sitting here saying to you, don't do contractors because at the end of the day, having contractors was an amazing way to begin the process. I will say that Over time, I could see that there was going to be, and I did the hybrid model as well. I did some contractors and some employees because I started to employ provisionals because I had a lot of students over the 2020-2022 period of time and most of my staff were chosen from that pool when I was bringing on provisionals. And I think I was lucky I got insight into my supervisees and how they could work for me and I knew how they would cope with stressful situations and ethics, etc. you know, and that's always a nice thing, particularly when you're going to have people work for you and be in that space with you. I think, though, that when I think it through now, contracting was an amazing first step and I would say it's really good to start there. A hybrid model is good to see if you can do both, but you've got to do it well and you've definitely got to have a formula. And I spoke about that in another podcast, Contractors Versus Employees. I think that's important to to know that there are many differences between the two and we have to act accordingly as, as business owners and practice owners. Do I have any regrets in 2023? No. Overall, I would say I've learned a lot. I have had to take on some hard lessons. I've had to let go of control. I've grown the business immeasurably. In fact, my thought will be that next year it can be a seven-figure practice, which I'll be quite happy to get to that stage. And I think going forward, the way that I would look at any learnings and reflections for 2023 is it takes me into good stead for 2024, which I imagine will be a big year. One thing that I will add is self-care has become something that I am doing a lot more of. I make sure I do a couple of yoga classes a week. That's how I start my week. I start my week with yoga because it's so important to do that. And I feel like 
any time spent on replenishing me and the way that I feel and the way that I can use my energy means that I can be a better person, a better parent and a more proactive and reasonable business owner. So self-care is really something that is important. I will talk more about my own self-care and my routines in further podcasts, but for now, I hope you have an amazing day. Take good care and see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Private Practice Academy podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please head across and subscribe and leave me a review. That would mean the world to me. Also, feel free to come and hang out with me on Instagram at Kirsten Anderson Ridge.